Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. I've been battling allergies for years now. Let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available release sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, gang? Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazdeh. I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now, listen, The Greatness Machine, we're about two things. Number one, people who are living their passions. And number two, those who are creating greatness in the world and doing both of these things despite the odds against them. Each episode, we're going to feature interviews with game changers, business leaders, you know, telling us their origin stories, what made them tick, what got them to where they are now. Why? So it can help you step into your greatness within your life, your business, and your career. Occasionally, you might hear a few solo episodes from myself, moi, as I say, as I leverage my 20 years of entrepreneurship as a CEO and founder to help you grow and level up in your journey to scale your life and your business. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversation, and I'm stoked to have you here with me. What's up, everybody? What a fun episode. We just did Peter Atwater, and he came in here and talked about his new book, The Confidence Map, How Can You Be More Confident? And I think confidence is key. So look, super entertaining, really fun, really informative. Uh, he really knows his stuff when it comes to you know confidence and what creates it and how we can get more of it in our life and how not to have too much of it because it actually can become a hindrance. Uh, stay tuned. Hope you really enjoy this. Guys, welcome to today's episode of The Greatest Machine. I'm your host, Darius Machazzi, and boy, do we have a special guest. My man, Peter Atwater, is in the house. What's up, Peter? All right, things are good, Darius. How are you doing? Oh, man, it's Friday. I'm so pumped. Pumped to have you here. Let's, get, let's make this happen. Um, do you mind if I do a little bit of housekeeping and then we'll get rolling? Sounds good. All right. So for listeners who are new to the show, The Greatness Machine, we're about two things. People are living their passions and those who are creating greatness and doing so despite the odds. And my man Peter here is neither short of passion nor greatness. So um, I'm gonna, I always like to give our audience, Peter, a little bit of background on how we connected. Um, I was hit up, gosh, I guess it was in March by Seth Godin's team at Penguin. And they, uh, they sent us Basically, Seth was doing his new book launch for Sound of, Signific- Sound of Significance. Gosh, that came out weird. And anyhow, um, I, I said, hey, guys, you know, if you have other amazing people that you want to send our way, go for it. And, you know, listen, you guys you guys get to see the end result. You don't get to see how the sausage is made. And trust me, there's a lot of sausage being made over here. Um, and and so they sent over a bunch of stuff. And I'm like, meh, this isn't good for our audience. This isn't good for our audience. And then they sent me over Peter's new book and his profile. And I was like, uh, yes, yes, please. So uh, we we responded that we wanted him on the show. And, man, here we are promoting your new book. I'm so pumped. The Confidence Map. 
here to talk about Peter and all the greatness he's creating in the world. Um, but if you don't mind, Peter, I'd like to give your formal bio here for a second for our audience who is maybe new to your work. And then we'll get kicking off with uh, some origin story. How's that sound, man? Sounds great. Awesome. So, uh, you guys, Peter is the author of the, of the Confidence Map, Charting a Path from Chaos to Clarity. So we're going to be talking all about how you can be more confident and, and, and all, all that and then some. Uh, he's the adjunct professor of economics. At, is it William & Mary? Is that where you're at right now? Yep, that's where I am. And, and he's the president of Financial Insights and a pioneer in securitization. We had a little bit of talk about securitization right prior to this. He comes from the banking world. Um, but, you know, before you started doing all the securitization and presidential stuff and professoring and writing, I, I know that we don't start there. We usually end there. If you wouldn't mind, Peter, I'd love to hear a little bit of background, a little bit of your origin story, how you got to where you got to. Sure. So I spent I have two careers. One you've just talked about, which is in financial services, pretty traditional, right out of college, worked on Wall Street, um, and uh, then went to work for some of my clients. And my 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 life changed when I turned 45. And as I was blowing out the candles on the cake, my then uh, eight-year-old son said, Dad, you're halfway to 90, uh, which was uh, quite a shock. And <laughs> I... Three months later, quit my job, wasn't sure what I was going to do next. Uh, next turned out to be working with some money managers because it coincided with the banking crisis. And then the market started to go up again. And I wasn't quite sure why. And because it had been really gloomy. And that led me down this real long, deep rabbit hole trying to understand what drives markets what makes people choose the things they do. And uh, I turned out settling on this thing called confidence that I then realized people didn't really know what that was. So that that's how I got here. So when, when in the, in, in, on the, your website and, and we're going to be plugging the stuff later, but you can check it out at peteratwater.com. I went to the book page and it says, um, I'm going to read this just because I, I want to get it right. It says, in the confidence map, Atwater explores the hidden role of confidence in the choices we make and why events described as being unprecedented are often entirely predictable if we know what to look for. So are we talking just markets here? Or are we talking life? Like, like to tell us a little bit, maybe a little bit of background on this idea of this word. Like, A, what is a confidence map and why does it say, why, why does it say specifically that? Because I was really curious when I saw that. Yeah. So, so I think of this as applying to everything that we do, markets, relationships, careers, um, our, our kids, you know, there, there are lots of, of elements to this. And the reason it's called the confidence map was I found that when I started talking about confidence with people, it became this huge word cloud of lots of synonyms, hope, trust, you know, belief, but we didn't know what we were really talking about. I, I've come to think that confidence is like pornography. We can only describe it by pointing to what we think it is. And people talk about confidence. It's generally in the behaviors of other people. So my students talk about LeBron or Beyonce or Elon Musk. They talk about people who appear to be confident. But I think of that as confidence theater. That's That's all about acting confident. And don't get me wrong, it's it's important. But that's not what confidence is about. And what I discovered was that confidence is really about the certainty and control that we feel in our lives. That, mm. that to be confident, you need to know what's coming. So that things have to feel predictable. And you need to know that in what you imagine, you're going to be okay. 
that you're prepared, that you've got the tools, the resources, the rehearsing, the practice, whatever it is to be successful in that moment. So why we call this the confidence map is I took certainty and control and started to lay them out in this two by two box chart where I saw that if we have both certainty and control, we feel good. It's, it's what I think of, what we all think of as the, our comfort zone. We're relaxed. Things are easy. On the other hand, if I don't have certainty or control, if I feel um, powerless or things feel uncertain, then I'm naturally anxious. And there are a lot of behavioral changes that go along with it. We don't think of it this way, Darius, but when we don't have confidence, we're vulnerable. Vulnerability is the opposite of confidence. And that's, you can start to see how vulnerability really shapes a lot of people's decision-making today. So when like taking this from the perspective and I, I appreciate what you just said, because to your point, when there's in a two by two, if there's confidence and controls in one quadrant, you know, or sorry, control and certainties in one quadrant, then, then yeah, like, like I know what's going to happen. I'm in control of it. Like easy peasy right? Just follow the path, make go from A to B. I'm good. Um, we have, we had a, a guest whose show hasn't aired, but a good friend of mine, Robert, coach Robert Ellis, who was talking about when we don't know, we're going to, from A to B prime, right? At what I'm going and B prime is uncertainty. He calls that a quest, right? That, that, that's yeah. not a path. That's a quest, right? So, so what I'm hearing you say is, Hey, I, I, maybe I, I, I don't know where I'm, maybe there's not certainty of outcome that becomes uncertain. I'm in a different part of that two by two quadrant. So is there a diminishment of confidence when there's uncertainty or how, how does one overcome that? Because we can't, I believe that, that like that we don't know what's going to happen. If it was yeah. like, I'll, I'll use February of 20 of 2020, right? Let's use that. I think that's a great example. I, you want to know what I was doing February, 2020? What were you doing? Okay. February, 2020, I was getting ready for my trip to go to Spain on March 5th of 2020 to go look at houses and schools because I was taking a sabbatical year when I sold my business. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to move to Spain. I'm going to go travel, do all the travel I, I, yeah. I hadn't done. I had my, your 45 year moment. I had when I was 41, I was like, what the hell am I doing in my life? And, and, um, and, and on March 5th, I sure as heck wasn't doing that. There was, <laughs> there was a lack of control. There was, the only control I had was choosing not to go. Right. Yeah. But the uncertainty was very high. So, I'm a big believer that like, who the hell knows what's going to happen? No one knew that interest rates were going to go to the 40 year highs right now. You know, no one, I didn't know COVID was going to happen. I think we live in a world where certainty is pretty uncertain. And so, so how does that work in your code? Because I look at that and go, Hey man, like I, I think most things are uncertain if we go, if we're living a normal life. So, so the future is an inherently unknown. So right. I agree with you. What, what's so interesting today is, the future has always been, always will be unknown, but our outlook on the future mirrors how we feel. Mm. A confident person will say, I know what's coming. Somebody who doesn't have confidence will be really uncertain. And what we forget is that our, our imagination of the future is a mirror of how we feel. That, that, that there is, that what changes with the future is our perception of it, is our is our willingness to imagine it. And we need to step back and say, okay, I'm not sure what's coming. Let's stop blaming the future and, and step back and say, that's, that's on me. That's my outlook. 
and what can I now do about it? The, the thing I love about certainty and control is those are actionable. You can do something to improve the certainty of what's ahead by, t- by taking steps. You can do the same thing by being better prepared in terms of control. So that makes, I, I get that. So, so like, like to your point, the future is inherently uncertain. And so, you know, all we have is our ability, I guess, our perception of the future is what I just heard you say is what's my, do I have confidence in my perception of the future? And if I have confidence in my perception of the future or in the certainty of what I believe will happen, then that may, that, that kind of gives you a higher certainty score. Is that, am I saying, thinking of that properly? Yeah. And that's going to change the, the choices you make. You know, okay, I, I, I think of resilience as being comfortable with the uncertainty that you're talking about, comfortable with a lack of control, knowing that you'll get it back. I, I think we need to stop telling people to be more confident and help people to become more resilient in environments where they're naturally not going to have confidence. That, that not having confidence isn't weakness. It's, it's, just a, it's just a real state for us. How do you, how do you, how do you think someone goes about doing that? Like what's, what's, I mean, I don't know if you talk about that in the book or not, but, but how does one create that resilience? How does one create that, that grit, that, that confidence to, if they don't have it, some people, I mean, I, I, let me ask you a question before I go ask you that question. Do you consider yourself a confident person? No, I consider myself a resilient person. Oh, I like that answer. Okay. I consider myself a resilient person too. So you and I are both pretty resilient people, at least like, you know, maybe not a hundred percent of the time, but, but, but if someone asked me if I was resilient, I'd be like, Oh heck yeah, I'm completely resilient. What is, so, so how does one become more resilient? Cause I meet a lot of people where I'm like, man, you gotta be more confident, man. Like, why are you worried about something that you may or may not happen? Just go get better at what you can control. How does one, you know, take the learnings from this book and apply them so they can create more confidence, create more resilience as, as we're talking about. So one of them is stop trying to prevent yourself from failing. Um, if I, if I look at in, individuals, organizations, they spend a whole lot of effort trying to prevent a crisis from happening. Instead, recognize that there are going to be moments in your life where you don't have certainty and control rather than living your life or setting your business up to avoid them, what do you do to prepare for them? And, and this is something that I learned a lot from folks in the emergency room, uh, from first responders. They're, at, they're in the business of dealing with environments of uncertainty and, and powerlessness. That, that's, that's why we see them. That's why we're involved in them. And what you find out is, they're ready for them. You know, if, if we're in an airplane and there's an aborted landing, to the pilot, that's simply a go around. That's something that they prepare for, that they train for, that they see as it's Tuesday to them. We need to get better at experiencing things where we're uncertain and powerless and go, oh, this is just Tuesday. This is this is a normal part of life. And, and so... I, I think rather than trying to live your whole life in the comfort zone, you need to do things where you deliberately get out of it, where you experience being powerless. I, I always tell my students, take an improv class. Learn, I mean, if you want to dive into uncertainty and powerlessness, that's, that's an environment where you're going to have to learn to adapt. The other thing I would say is you got to be curious. You know, people, I think, who are naturally curious, who are comfortable asking for help, 
comfortable looking for answers, comfortable trying to train and prepare and understand, they're naturally better equipped when things become uncertain because they've mm. got the skills to get it back. That, I love that. That, that it's, the, it's those skills. You know, if, if you've broken a leg, you spend a lot of time focusing on how you broke your leg. But what you don't, what you overlook is look at all those things that you learned in the process of recovery. And those skills are translatable. And, and so we need to pay more attention to the skills we learn when failure happens, as opposed to obsessing on why did I fail? How did I fail? Take the shame and blame out of it. Again, the emergency room doctors taught me that they don't focus at all on how you arrived. You know, they're, they're, their whole focus is the present. You're here. And what are we going to do to get you out of being here? And I, and I think more of us need to take that mindset into what we do. Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. Hey there, friends. It's Darius from Shazda here, and I have a little confession to make. You see, I've been battling allergies for years now. And let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Allergies have been my constant companion. They stopped me from fully enjoying the little things in life, canceling plans with friends because of sudden allergy attack to missing out on an outdoor activity because of the sneezing fits. Allergies have been a real nuisance. Luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing and a runny nose, itchy, watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I've been a Claritin D user for many, many years now. And let me tell you, it's made a world of difference. Since I started using Claritin D, my symptoms have improved dramatically. Now I can breathe easier, enjoy outdoor activities without worrying about sneezing fits and truly live my life without being held back by allergies. Ready to live as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter now. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear uses directed. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. In the world of successful partnerships, names like Procter & Gamble, Ben & Jerry, and supply and demand echo through business history. But when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. We're talking from launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we hit a million dollar order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Picture this, a time when my business was facing a tough hurdle and I wasn't sure how to break through. But then came the breakthrough moment, a game changer that took my business to the next level. You know, what I absolutely adore about Shopify is its unparalleled ability to adapt and grow with your ambitions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 75 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Darius, 
all lowercase. That's D-A-R-I-U-S. Go to shopify.com slash Darius now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Darius. I, I, I like that. Uh, it reminds me of, um, you know, Navy SEALs have a big pro- in their, a process around after action review, right? And so, so one of the things I heard you say is, hey, let's not carry around the, the suitcases filled with cement about the past, right? Like the past of the past. Let's, let's reflect on it maybe to get better, but let's move forward and, and have some gratitude around what we're learning in the, to make us a better person, to make us better at what, you know, let's take our challenges. And, and I have a mentor who's a guest, former guest on the show. And he always, he always, I, I, he would always say stuff to me that drove me crazy, but until I, I, I became more, uh, I think enlightened and where he'd say, oh, I'd come and be bitching about something I hated that was happening in my business world or in my life. He's like, well, Darius, isn't it just a gift to get to go through that? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, what? I'm like, screw this gift. I don't want this gift. <laughs> but, but afterwards I realized, you know, he's a, he's a Buddhist, right? So th- there's some equanimity there, right? So, so what is, what I'm also hearing you say is having some equanimity. Is, is that kind of what you picked up after looking at some of these people that are some of these environments you're in that, that it's having equanimity around the hardship and then using a reflection, the, the hardship as reflection, but to then take that as a gift of making you a better person. Is that what I just heard you say? I think there's some gratitude that's important, but I also think it's an understanding. And this again is a Buddhist point that um, life changes. I mean, and you, and we witness this every day, but we miss it. You know, I get on an air, I get on an airplane. Now I've got certainty, but no control. There's turbulence. I now feel stressed and, you know, I land. Real life moves us around all of these environments. You know, you were talking about um, the the quest, and the the quest is what what we undertake when we move from the stress center to an environment where we've got control, but we don't have certainty. And being being able to do it ourselves, to learn how to achieve something, is a really important aspect of of everyday life. And, you know, we have resources today. I mean, uh, you, you, you'll laugh, but you know, you, you've got places like Home Depot where you, you can pretty much learn to do anything in your house if you take the time to do it. And those organizations are there to help you to achieve it. And I think we need to think more broadly about being skilled for the things that we want to do to be successful. And this is really important. Um, I talk a, a lot about people who are in the passenger seat. A passenger seat, back of a cab, back of a plane, but but there are people who are in the passenger seat in life where they feel certainty but no control. And the challenge in those cases is to get back to the comfort zone, you've got to go into that environment of quest first. And you've, you've got to take control, realizing you don't have certainty. And often people will do that being unprepared, being not ready to make that move. And I, I think it's real helpful for us when we feel like we're in the passenger seat to, to be very deliberate about what are the steps I need to take to regain control. And is it training? Is it education? Is it finding people to help me, but they're deliberate things we can do in those moments. 
I have two questions on that. So, so when you were saying that, like, and this is something, this is a, you're talking to like Darius two point, maybe probably Darius 3.0 at this point. But, um, I mean, what came up for me is like the skill set of surrendering though, is it like, I think that there's, there is a perspective around not having the control and, and, and having confidence and surrendering to the outcomes. Uh, so I, w- I wanted your thoughts on that. And then I have a more actual tactical question after that. So I don't think it's surrendering as much as it is appreciating that um, you do have agency um, that that in your own life, um, identifying what what is it that you want and now how do I work backwards to get that um, is something that is attainable for us. Um, so I I. I I, at the same time, I acknowledge that, yeah, a lot of life is outside of our control, that, yeah, there, there are things we are lucky about or not lucky about. But I, I think that there are, that we, we have more control of the situation than we frequently give ourselves credit for. Okay. I can see that. And, 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 I, and I think that, I think I'm also maybe thinking of this from the standpoint of being a like I'm a person that like all the stuff that you're talking about, I'm like, ah, do that in my sleep. Right. Like go play and reverse engineer. Like, like that's like, that's my go-to. I'm like third derivative. Things are breaking. Right. And, and, and and so at some point you got to surrender because you're like, there's only so much you can control. So maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but, but I want to go a different direction, which is, I know that you're a professor of economics. Uh, are you doing undergrad, grad, both? Which which of the which of those? I do undergrad, and and uh, particularly, and I, I especially like freshmen because okay, it's, a, so, it's a really fun fun group. Yeah, yeah. So so because I started thinking as you were talking, I'm like, you know, I bet you he's talking to a lot of like these little Gen Z youngsters, uh, and, and I'm like, man, they I, I, I like half of me wants to hug them, half of me wants to smack them around a little bit, but um, you know, I, I get that that they're that especially in the world we live in right now, they're coming up, you know, and it, you know, I'm a Gen X and I, it's really funny because there's tons of great comedy out there right now about Gen X and they're, and it, because we're at that age where it's, we're, we're, we're far enough removed, but we're, we're young enough still where we're, we're the butt of the joke. The boomers are moving out. The Gen X guys are moving in. And, uh, and they're talking about, you know, like it's t- like, it's talking about a commercial that was out when I was a kid that, that, you know, I, I I'm young enough or I'm old enough where, like this commercial was relevant where they said, you know, it's 10 PM and where are your children? You know, do you know where your children are at? Right. And it's like, like, Oh, I remember that commercial. Um, so I grew up in, in, in an environment where latchkey kids were like res- a lot of Gen Xers are pretty resilient just because we, we go outside at eight in the morning, we go home at eight o'clock at night, yeah. you know, we, and, and our parents didn't know where we were at. And I was didn't want to see us. I mean, they were like, you know, look, I, I don't want to see you till dinner. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, well, I don't want to see you either. Just can I take some sandwiches and get the heck out of here? You know, I used to take my dog for eight mile walks when I was nine. Like I would not let my, if my kid asked me to do that, I'd tell him no. Um, which is kind of funny. Right. Or I'd say, take my phone, which is hilarious that none of, we didn't have any of that stuff. So I do think there was a natural resilience, but I was reading this article and I was talking about how kids these days have it way tougher than we did. You know, we, and, and one of the things they talked about that I hadn't thought about which I think is kind of a bullseye for the work that you're, that you're doing is when we were younger, even probably up until the internet really, or maybe even up into the last 15 years, I mean, things did not change as quickly as they're changing now. I, I, it, it, it's, I mean, I'm a person that's pretty good with change. And even I'm like, uh, we're going to like, what was it? 
D, D, the the DOAs where they where they have basically uh, these decentralized you know organizations on the blockchain that have no one controlling them with decentralized currencies and and there's people who are like yeah that's the future Darius I'm like oh we're here now I didn't know that you know and I'm a, and I'm a, and I'm I live in Austin Texas I'm around a bunch of tech people I came from San Francisco I'm like tip of the spear. But I'm like, man, for the first time in my life, I feel like I'm not keeping up with all the change, which says a lot because I'm always on top of the change. So our kids are growing up in a world where things are changing faster and faster and faster each year. And so I would assume there's a long winded way of me asking the question of, do you see as a being a professor an erosion of confidence because of how fast things are changing? Or do you feel like there's a need for people to be have more confidence because on the other side, the ground's moving so quickly, it's hard for people to keep up? What are, what are your thoughts about that? So I see a lot of anxiety. Um, and I think some of that anxiety is the, the speed of change. I think the other, other elements to me are um, the enormous amount of comparison that is available. Uh, I mean, as a kid, you could compare yourself to the kids in the neighborhood. Now... Everybody is compared to everyone in the world at every moment. And so particularly if you don't lack confidence, the comparisons just become mean. Um, and, and you have to be really careful when you don't have confidence to steer away from those, you know, the comparisons to the past, the comparisons to others, you, you'll never stack up well. And so I think that comparison, that comparative out element weighs on this generation as well. I, I also think that confidence theater appearing to have your stuff together is a real burden for this cohort of individuals that again, we didn't, we didn't experience in my, you know, I'm older, older than you um, because there was a, Again, smaller group and and familiarity. I mean, mm -hmm. one of the things that is so extraordinary, and it's a good and bad, is the this is a, a cohort that is connecting to people all over the world at once. But one thing that I've noticed is their closest friends are not physically close often. And that's a huge difference from our generation to today. And so when bad things happen in life, there isn't that natural interface with those immediately around you. And I think proximity in a crisis is a really vital element because that's what we want. We want me here now familiarity. And that's not something that exists for for this generation um, because their relationships are in many ways digital or, or virtual. And, and so when bad things happen, who's going to knock on the door? Who's, who's right there with you in the room? Yeah. It's funny you're saying that. I, I, I just got back from a trip to New York city yesterday. And the reason I went out there is I'm starting a, a new business, a private equity business. And my business partner was out there and, and, and it was for a me here now moment, right? Where I was like, Hey, I got to, we're not, we're, there's something lost over virtual communication. And what I'm, what I, and it, and it was really interesting. We had that conversation before, and then we went out there for some planned meetings. And then probably like right before we went to bed, we ended up having a three hour like session 
like literally, hey, all right. And then all of a sudden we we had a strategy session like that came out of nowhere serendipitously, right? And they talked, you know, Steve Jobs used to do this at, at, at Pixar actually. The, he designed his office around serendipitous like connection. Yeah. Right. Where there was one bathroom, you had to walk through the whole building to get to it because he wanted people rubbing elbows and shoulders and actually seeing people. And this generation, you know, and I, I, I guess the, the, I, I just said like an old person statement, right? This generation, you know, they don't, they don't do it the way we did. But um, <laughs> it, well, I guess the point I'm trying to make is that is there a, a loss from a serendipitous perspective around even whether it's crisis communication, friendship communication, all these lack of serendipitous communications where oxytocin is exchanged. Do you think that that is actually eroding in confidence as well? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that the, the result is people turn inward. Um, and, and this has a big bearing of understanding each other and understanding the differences of each other, because we're, we're seeing only those folks in our echo chamber that feel most relevant, resonant, easy for us. And real life in the real world forces you to interact with lots of people who are different from you, um, that, that open your eyes to things and, and again, cause you to have to be more resilient because you're having to deal with uncertainty mm. and, you know, interacting with people where the power dynamic changes in real time, in real life. There, it, so it, it, be, it becomes a life of improvisation that we completely get to avoid when we're dealing in a virtual world. Wow. So, so, I, so you're a fan of, of making people go back to the office then? No, I, I think it's a combination. <laughs> I'm I mean, messing I, with you. I, no, I, I, I think that there are huge benefits and, and some of it's a, a personality function. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like more. There are people for sure that are probably more, more productive. But, but I agree. I think it's a combination because if, if, and I had not thought about that till what you just said, which is, if I'm in the office, I have these, these by chance interactions. Again, serendipitous interactions because I'm just going to grab a water or something, and this person gets in my way, and I have to deal with them, or they give me a look, and and there's there's a lot. I guess it's a less sterile environment, right? Like. Like there's, 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 there's these variables that come up that you lose when I'm behind my desk in my house, controlled environment. I know where everything's at. I know I'm going to interact with who I interact with in a really defined way via zoom or whatever it is. So, so that, that makes a lot of sense. I want to go, we're talking about this, this me near uh, me here now thing that you're, that you bring up in the book. Talk about what that is a a little bit more, because I I think that's a really important part of of where you're going in the book. Yeah. So when confidence is low, you can think about this, you know, at the top of a roller coaster, you know, what do you, what do you care about? What matters to you? When you feel vulnerable, the only thing that matters is me here now. The bear's outside my tent. I'm not thinking about next week. I'm not thinking about you. I'm thinking about me in this place right now. And, and so things need to be really familiar to me for me to feel like I have a sense of certainty and control. And that has a big bearing then on everything that we do, because my choices become me-centered. I'm going to be reactive as opposed to tactical, let alone strategic. I'm not going to be interested in exploring. So I'm not going to venture too far away from here. And and you see this in the kinds of choices that people who don't have confidence make 
versus somebody who does have confidence. Because somebody who's confident is in a us everywhere forever mindset. They're cooperative, they're generous, they're exploring, and, and they're looking toward the future. And so we make decisions when confidence is low without thinking about their longer-term consequences. And I think that, that that's a real issue if somebody, for example, is in poverty and is feeling financially vulnerable. They're, they're going to make decisions that unfortunately don't help them to get out of that situation. Mm. It becomes very self-defeating. And so this is, this is where, to me, confidence becomes such an important element of better decision-making. Now, that's not to say that having confidence is going to make great decision-making because overconfidence, we're going to make a whole series of bad choices then too. But but trying to be more certain about what's coming and more confident in what's ahead will enable us to think better in the process. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. So, so kind of talking about this uh, going in the other direction, and, and, and number one, I appreciate what you just said because I think that that's, that's, that's useful information for any listener that wants to, wants to start really framing how am I approaching life? How am I approaching uh, you know, my day? How am I approaching, you know, what I'm trying to accomplish? And to your point, you know, am I a person that's that's perpetuating a negative outcome, or am I actually approaching it in a way where I'm, I guess, optimizing for a better outcome? And I could see how that how that could happen, right? And 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 we probably drive that with so socioeconomics, and we drive that with, you know, I guess heritage, family, psychology, stuff like that. Community is probably a big one. Maybe touch on that. Like, how do you, if, if someone's coming from a more of a disadvantaged uh, setup, right? Whether that's disadvantaged environment, community, bad family, you know, a lot of that stuff's going to just put you at kind of a, I guess, a handicap when it comes to some of the stuff we're talking about. How, what are your thoughts on someone that has those, those variables they can't control? You know, how do they take this framework and still be able to try to make sense of it and, and apply it in, to better themselves? Yeah, and often these are stacked one on top of each other. I, right, I, right, right. So I talk a lot about stacked vulnerabilities, where it's not one thing; it's it's three or four of these together. And and I'm a big believer that you have to start at the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy of need. And I and I see a lot of public policy that is dealing with things and ignoring the fact that the foundation is broken. You know, if I, if I'm trying to help you. We got to make sure you're safe to begin with. Then we got to make sure you got food to begin with. 
because without those two, the vulnerability that you experience there is going to transcend everything else in your life. It becomes very difficult for me to teach you if you're hungry or if you're mm. not feeling safe in, in that environment. So I think we, and in your own life to, to, to step back and say, okay, do I have physical safety that I need? If yes or no, if no, then what, about, what can I do about that? Because until I have that, I really can't address these other things. Um, food, health. And then we can start to move to, to aspects of vulnerability that, that are more abstract that, that enable you to make real progress. But I, I think, Darius, that being honest about where, where is your vulnerability and what it what is getting in the way and and it's different from different people folks mm-hmm. feel voiceless or powerless you know what what am i going to do to regain that and and we're seeing elements of this in the workplaces people unionizing and workers getting together to say hey we if we act together we can eliminate that vulnerability and uh, and move forward yeah, and I know I'm seeing the what the actor strike right that's going on right now, and it, it's it's interesting because they're they're worried about AI right, which is a vulnerability. If you yeah. can, if I could take your face, put it on something else, and make it talk and sound like you, it's like, well, what do I need you for? Yeah. Uh, you, you know, but uh, yeah, it, it it's it is interesting to see as you move up Mao's hierarchy of needs. What you know, how do we you know to your point is my survival being being put at risk? Is it vulnerable? Okay, well, if, once I've overcome that, I love the kind of the framework of, okay, well, now I can work on these more abstract areas of success, right? Of So I can move to, up to the highest, which is yeah. obviously self-actualization. So that makes total sense. Um, let's talk a little bit about overconfidence, right? Because, because you know, some, uh, you know, I remember I, I there was like a, a family member of mine and they, they were they, the kid was like super arrogant and i w- and i'm a person where I, I i think humility is a superpower i think to a, you know to a point and, and i think that it's important especially for youngsters to have it or to be taught it at least and this person was like no let the boy be arrogant <laughs> and i'm like well what? i'm like he's going to get i mean this was a very wealthy family and 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 there was a lot of entitlement and i'm just sitting there i'm like oh man this kid just needs to get kicked in the teeth you know, like, like, cause the world is not an easy place. Right. I'm like, I don't think that they're doing him any favors by letting him be, be overconfident. So what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Talk to us a little bit about competent confidence peaks. You talked about that yeah. in the book. I'd love to hear about that. Yeah. So I think the self-help world does us a big disservice in saying that having confidence is a uniformly good thing. Um, and that having confidence, you'll always have confidence. I think both of those are, are garbage. Uh, where confidence gets in our way is we become lazy and lazy cognitively, meaning we just don't pay attention because we don't think we need to. And so it becomes a, only a question of when you're going to hit the wall and hit it hard. And by being confident, you don't have to learn anything. There's no, you don't, curiosity isn't needed. And I think that curiosity is a critical element to resilience. And so you, to be, to avoid becoming overconfident, curiosity helps you to realize that there's a whole bunch you still don't understand, to want to learn more, to keep getting better at things. Um, 
you know, the, the same notion of, of better as a mindset. Um, you look at great athletes, great performers, they don't care. They don't, they're not striving to be the best. They're striving to be better every day for the rest of their lives. Yeah. And that changes the process. It changes the mindset. Um, it's not a destination. The focus is the journey, recognizing that that journey, I hope, never ends. Yeah, I love that, man. That's like the, the it's like a, 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 the, there's a knower and a learner, right? And you're talking, and, and, and the knower knows, like they don't, can't learn anything else. The learner learns, right? Having that growth mindset, that Shoshin mindset, right? So I, lo- I love where you're going with that. What, what I'd love to do is kind of pivot a little bit into markets because, you know, there's books like, you know, Black Swan and, you know, and, and there's, and which kind of, you know, I guess when I first read, like, so again, going back to the book, um, you know, on your book page, it talks about, you know, how we can, can really have predictability in outcome and obviously consumer confidence drives markets, confidence in the markets drives markets. You're, you come from the world of economics. You know, when I read that, I was like, yeah, but what about Black Swan events? What about like these, like, end of the curve outliers that blow things up, you know, are those just as having confidence that we know that that's going to happen and then the resilience to deal with it. Like, I'd love to hear a thought a about black swan events. And then I'd like to hear how do you take this confidence map and apply it to, let's say how we approach markets, how we approach investing and how we approach, you know, finance, because I'm a person that's interested in all those things. Yeah. So I think it's helpful to start if we're going to talk about financial decisions, to, to appreciate that every financial decision is made in an, in an environment of uncertainty. You're taking control, but the outcome is uncertain. Borrowing money, lending money, investing in something. And what we tend to do is to make our financial decisions based on what we imagine is ahead. So we're creating this beautiful or terribly ugly picture of what's coming and then we choose to buy or sell as a result. I always say to investors, if you can't imagine a different future, you're going to be wrong because that certainty doesn't exist in real life. So you need to be prepared for both a positive outcome and a negative outcome. And the more you can't, the more you should appreciate that you're being either incredibly overconfident or incredibly underconfident. You know, when everybody thought the world was coming to an end in March 2020, you could see just this huge level of underconfidence. Nobody believes things could get better. And that's a, that to me is what marks the low in, in markets. You know, I, I always, if, if, if people get afraid of when markets panic. I always, I'm a big believer now that panic is God's way of telling us that the worst is behind us, not ahead mm. of us. That we look at panic as something that's extrapolating into the future. It's just, it's going to get horrible from here. It's like, no, 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 no. The fact that you're panicking says that the worst is behind you. Panic is what happens when we approach the low. I'm not saying that the bottom is today or tomorrow, but but it's going to be real soon because panic is exhausting. If you've ever had a panic attack, you know just how exhausting that is. So we need to we need to realize that we are completely misformed to be good investors. Invet, being a good investor means doing exactly the opposite of what our gut tells us. 
If it looks like a burning building, get in there. If it looks like you know blue skies ahead, get the heck out of there. So our gut is really 180 degrees in opposition to our good investment behavior. And so be careful, realize that, look at it objectively. And if you can't look at yourself objectively, at least look at the crowd objectively, because the crowd is driving price. Are they doing stupid things? Are they doing dramatic things? You know, and what are they buying? You know, are they buying things that are really abstract? Because that typically only happens at the top. Or are they stuffing cash in their mattress? Because that only happens at the lows. So yeah, so like right now, there's tons of cash on the sidelines. What are your, do you have any any thoughts on the, on this? Like obviously, treasuries are paying five percent. You know, it's it's not a bad time to be in cash. Uh, there's you know interest rates are high. There's some uncertainty around inflation, even though things look like they're calming down. But yeah, like like how would you? What are your thoughts on the on what's going on right now? So I what I see is an interesting mania. Um, AI has obviously gotten lots of people's attention, and that's a really abstract, futuristic thing that we would get excited about when confidence is high. But what's so interesting, and this is so different from two years ago, is that the companies we're focused on aren't AI startups and things we've never heard of. It's Microsoft and Google and Apple and meta and it's like we have this bubble in in insure big companies um mm. and and that to me suggests a level of caution that didn't exist 2 years ago when we were putting money in Lordstown Motor and god knows what else <laughs> companies that you know companies that were making it up but it wasn't stopping people from just pouring money in it. And you saw the same thing in the crypto space with shit coins. I mean, there was just right. this, this proliferation of wildness. Well, that wildness doesn't really exist today. People's enthusiasm is more tempered. Um, and I think that that speaks to a, 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 a more cautiousness that um, you, you saw in our behavior when, when the banks got in trouble earlier this year. People ran for the exits uh, in a really rushed way. Yeah, and that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's one of the things I worry about right now is that that caution quickly comes back if, if something should happen, cause us to stumble. So are you, are you a believer that uh, the markets are going to end at, at a high this year or what do you think? I, I, they may, but not before we see a, a major test or a, a significant reversion. I think we've we've seen this is the middle of July. I think we've seen a major peaking in a lot of the big tech, the magnificent seven, as they're now being called. And now we need to see what happens when they pull back. How dramatic is that? Interesting. All right. I'm, 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 I just took notes. Uh, so everyone sell the big seven. No, <laughs> no. I, this is not. This is not investment advice. This is. This is. This is. I. I look at the world through sentiment. You know how excited and crazy are people feeling about things, or how terrified are people feeling about things? Yeah, I, I would agree. I th well, I think that there's still some a big question mark on it on how much more, how many more 
increases is the fed gonna kick in into the system and you know i mean it's it's surprising that that the job market's held up the way it has given the 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 amount of a how much stuff costs and b how it's being passed through to consumers. I, I went and took my family out to brunch like in Mother's Day and I couldn't believe the bill. I'm like, yep. I'm like, I live I live in Austin, I live in Texas. This is like a New York City bill. So I don't know. I, I think there's still some pain to be felt. I guess we'll see. Well I, I I would also say that the Fed follows the crowd. You were talking about just how quickly things change. Um organization big organizations, particularly bureaucratic organizations, can't keep up with the crowd. And so right. I, I have some sympathy for for them as they're trying to to chase the tail here. Totally. Um, so, look, um, I know we're we're, we're getting uh, like kind of up to the hour here. Um, what I'd love to do is 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 talk a little bit about you know for the book. You know, w- when you start thinking about who's the right audience, like who's like the reader when you when you know part of making a book is around really designing an avatar and saying, hey, I'm writing this book for this person. When you start thinking of who's the ideal reader for the confidence map in your mind, who's that reader and why? So the the target audience for this book is people in business because I I tend to use a lot of corporate examples. You know what's happens in a inside of a company, but what I'm finding. Darius is business leaders and people in business who are immediately applying this to their personal lives, that the framework works at an individual level as much as it works in a corporate level. Um, I've seen coaches who are using this in the work that they do with, with players. So this is, I think the examples will be most resonant with folks you know, in the in the workplace, which is a large population, um, but I don't think that the concepts are exclusive. Um, my my wife, my daughter, my son, uh, um, friends. There are a lot of people who put input into my writing to make sure that it was approachable. My students, um, you know, as I said, I I teach freshmen, and so if you ask me who who did I write this book for. I wrote this book for people right out of high school who would know the examples and be familiar with what I was talking about. There, there's only one chapter where I geeked out, and that's well in, well in the back of the book. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Nice. So, so, if it, so if you're out there and you read the book and he's geeking out too hard, you can always go to the next chapter. That, that's the, <laughs> exactly. That's the chapter on confidence elasticity where I basically say we buy things based on how we feel. And, and our, uh, you know. They, and and you can draw pictures that show that. Yeah, that's interesting. I love that. Um, so you know, we like to end the show here with the uh, our, our we call it our greatness question. And and once we do that, I I'll, I want to give the. By the way, the book's coming out July twenty fifth, which is just in four days. So I want to I want to make sure that the audience knows where to get the book. But before we go there, I do want to end with the confidence. Or excuse me, the confidence question, the greatness question, which which is maybe uh, maybe I'll rename it today, the confidence question about greatness. Um, so our our greatness question. Uh, Peter is such. 
What is the number one barrier to creating greatness that you've overcome in your life and how did you overcome it? Yeah, I don't think I've yet overcome it or, or that I've achieved greatness. I, I, I'm one of these people who's continuing to strive for better. Um, and, and here I would say starting a second career caused me to have to ask for help as somebody who was successful in another career. And I think we associate asking for help with shame and being weak and all of these other things. And I think if I had to do it again, it would be asking for help sooner and realizing that asking for help is taking control of the situation and being more willing to do that sooner. That would, that to me, I mean, in, in writing this book, I had a, I had a coach. I had, I went out and, you know, hired somebody to help, help me to write the book that I want to write. She didn't write it. Um, but she's like, this is crap. You need to, you know, you need to write this better. Um, <laughs> and that was a really, that was really so important. Find a, find a coach, find somebody who will give you the feedback that you need to, to be better at what you're doing. I love it, man. Guys, the book is The Confidence Map. We're here with Peter Atwater. Book comes out next week, four days. So big, big book launch day. So get, go out there, get the book. Um, I'd love to give people kind of where, where can they connect with you? Where can they get the book? All that good stuff. So we make sure and, and, and I'm going to tell you, you all go out there and support Peter. But yeah, if you don't mind, share where they can get the book and, and connect with you more. Sure. So the, the book is available. In fact, it was available before I had even finished it. Um, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all day online booksellers, you know, and, but also go to your local bookseller. They, you know, I'm a big supporter. They, they know, they know their material. Um, they can find me at peteratwater.com on Twitter at Peter underscore Atwater. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, that's, that's how they can find me. Awesome. We'll put all that stuff in the show notes. I have a quick question. Is the book uh, audio uh, audiobook too, or just, just hard, hardcover? Book is audiobook. I did the audiobook, sat in a studio for a week and, and read it. And uh, my, my kids teased me. They, they really had wished that uh, Gordon Godfrey had uh, lived long enough to, to get, get his, his take on it. <laughs> Gilbert Godfrey, excuse me. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but because uh, he's just got such a grating voice. But no, it is my, it is my, my voice on the audiobook. Oh, oh I, I'm a big audiobook person. I, I do about a, one a week, so I can't wait to, to listen to you on audiobook talk about this book. So, yeah. guys, go get it. It's on audiobook where all books are sold. You can get it at, uh, online, obviously, where all books are sold. And as Peter said, let's go support our local, local book booksellers. You can't get audiobooks in there, but you can get the physical books. Let's go su- support our, our local bookstores. Uh, Penguin is the publisher, so, so it's going to be majorly distributed. And, man... Big, big congrats to you. Uh, I'll say one more thing. This is how it works, guys. When you're an author and you got a book out there, the first week of the book launch is a big deal. Pre-sells, big deal. So go out there and support. If you can get the book now, pre-sell, do it. If you can't, get it the week of. Don't wait in like two weeks. I'll go get it. I'm going to make sure I publish this episode in line with the book launch so that I support Peter's book launch. But you guys got to go out there the week of because that's what the New York Times and all these big guys, that's what they look at to rank. And that that really helps the authors out. So make sure you go out and do that. Did I miss anything, Peter? I think I got it all, didn't I? No, I really appreciate the help. Thank you so much. 
Yeah, you're welcome. Guys, listen, uh, it's been real. It's been fun. Peter, so much gratitude having you come here. Teach me to be a more confident person, teaching our audience to gain their confidence, overcome their vulnerabilities. Uh, we're really excited for you and your book. And uh, until next time, everyone, peace out. We love you. You are listening to The Greatness Machine, and that's a wrap for today. Listen, if you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform that you're tuning in on so that you don't miss any of our future episodes. We have tons of great people coming on, and we're, we're stoked to have you here to enjoy it with us. Leave us a review. Tell us what you love most about this particular episode. We love getting the reviews. We love to see what you guys love most. And if this particular episode you know, made you think of someone who's leveling up in their business and in their life, print screen, share it with them. Leaders are the best givers. And after all, we're all here to support and grow with each other. And in case you want to see some of the fun behind the scenes shots or some of the things that we're doing, I'm actually writing about this in my weekly newsletter. Go to www.therealdarius.com and subscribe to my newsletter. We're talking about fun things like business and life and mindfulness and cryptocurrencies and gosh, I don't even know everything and anything, but it's tons of fun stuff I write about. I try to get it out on a weekly basis. You can subscribe at www.therealdarius.com. And with that said, look, thank you guys so much. Appreciate you. I love you. Peace. We're out of here. See you guys on the next one. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you wanna learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.